It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2024, and you are listening to Uranium Spotlight Podcast, Nuclear's Resurgence in a Clean Energy World, brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group. Great uranium discoveries only come with drilling. Don't miss out on the next big one. PurePoint and partners, Cameco and Arano are drilling right now. And now your host, Chris Frostad. This week on Uranium Spotlight, the long-term uranium price breaks into incentive levels, while three island nations look towards a nuclear future. There's a brief scare out of Niger, and Denison and Arano look to restart operations at their McLean Lake mine. After popping up to $106, the spot price eased off last week, closing down at $100 even on Friday. Meanwhile, the UXC long-term uranium price finally crossed the $70 mark to close January at $72 U.S. per pound U308, up $4 per pound. Spot activity, which had slowed the previous week as the price hit $106, regained momentum last week, albeit only after a slight price retreat. As buyers withdrew from the market and several sellers aimed to secure pricing at triple-digit levels, the number of reported offers began to increase. The decline continued Thursday as the spot indicator slipped to $101.90 by 2.30 p.m., with two transactions reported. As Friday began and sellers were further reducing offer levels, several buyers entered the market to meet sellers near the $100 level, as six additional transactions were confirmed that day. For the week, there were a total of nine spot transactions involving about 850,000 pounds U308, eight of which called for delivery in the prompt zero to three months window and one spot transaction outside that window. Yesterday, the spot market was quiet in terms of book transactions. However, many market participants are waiting for an update expected from Kazataprom on Thursday concerning lower 2024 production guidance. On the other hand, Sprott Asset Management's CEO, John Capaglia, predicts a bullish future for uranium prices. He anticipates the price could reach $160 per pound U308 in 2024, citing increased demand from utilities and challenges in boosting supply. The world's largest investment fund in physical uranium, Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, has seen a surge in interest, attracting new stock market investors. China's ambitious nuclear energy plans, with 22 plants under construction, and the global push for atom-splitting electricity have contributed to a supply deficit estimated between 1.5 billion pounds to 2.3 billion pounds. Despite the recent price hike, major producers like Kazataprom and Cameco face challenges in meeting production guidance due to sulfuric acid shortages and construction delays. Compaglia notes the shift in investor sentiment, signaling a break with the past Fukushima disaster era and a renewed focus on long-term supply for decarbonization and reliable baseload power. The industry remains optimistic, expecting elevated prices for an extended period, with uncertainties around a potential U.S. ban on Russian uranium imports adding to the market dynamics. Japan's fourth-largest trading consortium has this past week entered a deal with Uzbekistan to mine uranium in the Central Asian country. Uzbekistan has the fifth-largest reserves of uranium in the world, with nearly 50,000 tons of uranium classified as reasonably assured recoverable resources in sandstone, and a further untapped resource of 33,000 tons in black shale. This deal looks to meet a nascent but slowly rising demand for nuclear fuel in Japan. Following the Fukushima nuclear accident, most of Japan's 33 operable reactors were shut down in the face of new regulations that aim to improve reactor safety. 
The Fukushima nuclear accident was a partial meltdown that was the result of the Great East Japan earthquake. And although it resulted in no deaths from radiation, it was rated a 7 on the International Nuclear Event Scale. This is the most severe rating on the scale and corresponds to a major accident. As a result of this accident, however, some 2,000 people did die in the ensuing panic following the evacuation order given by the Japanese government. The Japanese government knows that to ensure energy security and fight climate change, it will need to get those reactors back online. The Japanese Prime Minister at COP28 in December said that Japan would stop using all coal-fired power plants and rely instead on all other resources, including nuclear. Japan currently has 11 operating reactors with 16 more awaiting regulatory approval, including two that are still under construction in anticipation of expanding demand for nuclear fuel. Japan at one time had many more operable reactors, 26 of which have now been shut down on a permanent basis. But after shutting down its entire fleet after the Fukushima incident and slowly bringing them back online, Japan will now need to increase its buying of uranium for nuclear fuel. Other countries are also looking to bring more reactors online or extend the lifespans of their older fleets. These countries include the United States, which currently has the world's largest fleet of nuclear reactors. Uzbekistan is also a major supplier of uranium to the United States. Russia and Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan make up almost 50% of the U.S. supply, but much of Kazakhstan's future uranium production is currently tied up in deals with China and Russia. On top of that, the U.S. is currently considering a ban on imports of Russian uranium. This new deal leaves an already tight market for uranium just a little bit tighter. Two bills have been brought before Hawaii's legislature, which could either outright allow the building of nuclear power plants or would put them up for consideration. The two pieces of legislation are not considered likely to pass the House currently, but the two bills demonstrate interest among legislatures in Hawaii. After the next election cycle, with attitudes changing towards greenhouse gas emissions, the legislature will have to take another look at building a nuclear power plant. It is worth noting that given the small land masses of some island jurisdictions, nuclear power may be just the thing they need. Nuclear power is able to generate electricity 24 hours a day on a smaller land footprint than any other electricity source, but many residents of Hawaii and elsewhere remain fearful of accidents. Guam, which also not a state but another small Pacific island chain under U.S. control, is also considering the use of reactors to generate electricity. Specifically, the Pentagon is looking in using micro-reactors, reactors small enough to be transported on the back of a truck for electricity supply on its bases. The Pentagon's Project Pele has been looking into the development of micro-reactors for several years as a way to replace gas generators on their bases, and Guam is just one of the places where it might be looking to build one of those reactors. Guam's Governor Lou Leon Guerrero, speaking on Monday, was non-committal on either supporting or being against the project, but when asked whether she would veto a bill currently before Guam's legislature that would ban the building of reactors, merely said that she was looking into the matter and that today's advanced reactors, such as the kind that Project Pele is considering, are reportedly much safer than older, less advanced reactors. Uranium miners in Niger got quite a fright last week when the government announced that they would take stock of existing mining licenses in the country. Stories circulated of mines being shut down or production slowed. These same uranium miners later clarified that in fact these new measures were being taken to regulate the country's gold mining sector, specifically the country's small-scale artisanal gold miners, and that it has nothing to do with the uranium mining sector. On the basis of looking into the illegal export of gold bullion to Dubai, the government did last week suspend the approval of all mining licenses 
and it was left unclear if this would affect uranium miners, especially as exploration licenses are still being granted, and everything in the country's uranium mining sector appears to be continuing as normal. The ability of Niger's uranium mines to operate has been in some doubt since last summer, when a military junta took control of the government and resulting sanctions on necessary chemicals for processing of uranium forced some uranium miners in the country to cut production. At that time as well, there were rumors that Niger would vastly increase the price of uranium or ban its export. These rumors, however, were unfounded. Niger is the fifth largest supplier of uranium in the world and supplies 20% of France's uranium, as well as 25% of the European Union's overall. While Niger continues to meet its contracts with utilities around the world, the rise of military junta and the resulting political instability does cast some doubt on how secure that supply really is. For now, however, it appears to be business as usual. Denison Mines and joint venture partner Orano Canada have announced the restart of the McLean Lake Mine, located in the uranium-rich Athabasca Basin in northern Saskatchewan. Operations at the mine were suspended in 2008 due to weak uranium prices, but recent improvements in project and commodity economics have prompted the decision to resume mining activities. The partners plan to restart mining at the McLean Lake North deposit in 2025, targeting approximately 800,000 pounds of uranium production that year. The decision to restart McLean Lake comes amid a surge in uranium prices, reaching their highest levels in over 16 years. Kazakhstan, the world's largest uranium miner, recently highlighted production risks, contributing to a tightening global uranium market. Kazakhstan, which supplies 40% of the world's uranium, announced a shortfall in its 2024 production projections, leading to a sharp rise in the spot price of uranium and uranium equities. Denison's president and CEO David Cates emphasized that the successful mining test of the Sabre method in 2021 provided crucial information about the productivity and cost of operations, suggesting an incentive price lower than current uranium prices. This restart decision aligns with the current favorable market conditions for uranium, with prices supporting brownfield restarts. The move is seen as positive for Denison, providing potential near-term cash flow as it develops the Wheeler River project. BMO Capital Markets uranium analyst Alexander Pierce highlighted that the decision to restart McLean Lake is indicative of the supportive nature of current spot prices for brownfield restarts. Despite the restarts, a sizable near-term supply deficit is still anticipated, considering the time required to bring restarts online. The joint venture partners have identified the availability of around 3 million pounds of yellowcake for potential additional production from a combination of the McLean Lake North and Caribou deposits during the 2026 to 2030 period. The decision to restart the McLean Lake mine underscores the industry's response to the growing uranium deficit caused by the accelerated adoption of nuclear power globally. The successful restart signals a proactive approach by mining companies to capitalize on the strengthening uranium and nuclear markets, emphasizing the long-term investment in research and development to secure continued activities in the uranium sector. And that wraps up your Uranium Spotlight coverage for this week. For more news and events from the world of uranium, please tune in next week to Uranium Spotlight. You've been listening to Uranium Spotlight, your weekly podcast dedicated to delivering the latest news and events shaping the uranium fuel market and its critical role in the global energy landscape. Brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group. PurePoint actively operates a portfolio of advanced uranium projects in the world's richest uranium district and has established partnerships with some of the largest uranium suppliers worldwide. 
While our passion for this subject is undeniable, it's essential to clarify that the information presented here is not investment advice. Instead, our goal is to offer an unbiased and comprehensive review of recent events that could impact uranium prices. Join us again next Tuesday for Uranium Spotlight.